Once again, you have someone live and local on your radio. Coming up, join Patrick Lally as he looks reality straight in the face on the Talk of Sioux Falls. Information 1000 KSOO. A glorious good afternoon to you all. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. It is a gorgeous Friday here in the best little city in America. And it's going to be a great weekend. So much. Don't be frustrated when someone else takes control of the radio. The free Radio Pup app is easy to navigate. From 30 days. Hi. It's going to be a great weekend. So much going on uh, as we head into this holiday season. Uber producer Dan Peters is not with us today, unfortunately. As you know, Dan is the voice of the Sky Force. The Force is in action tonight and tomorrow against Rio Grande Vipers. Tip-off is 7 p.m., so Dan is busy watching films, studying stats, getting ready for that game, which you can listen to on Information 1000 KSOO. I'll do my best to guide you through the next two hours of conversation on news and politics, sports and entertainment. We've been talking a bit about the big announcement here of the downtown hotel the recent days and the parking ramp proposal earlier this week. It looks like a big deal for the city, and we have plenty more to discuss as it goes forward. But I tell you, the, the whole talk about downtown and seeing the, uh, the drawings and everything, and what stuff's going to look like, and the pictures, it always reminds me uh, of the old downtown and how things have changed over the course of my life. Uh, just my life, my short little life here in Sioux Falls. When I first started working downtown, my first office in uh, uh, the downtown area in the early 90s, there were precious few offerings down there. Zambro's had recently opened, so that was cool. Uh, there were a few retail outlets, a couple of restaurants. Minerva's was down there, of course, has always been there. But you could tell there was uh, potential. Things were turning around. Uh, and then further back when I was a kid, we used to ride our bikes down there, uh, homemade skateboards down the old hill, down the hill to downtown and, uh, the old downtown mall, if you remember that. Uh, it, but it was basically abandoned most evenings and weekends. Um, the old Michaels and Burke store was still going and Minerva's was there, as I said, but other than that, not much, uh, on the occasion, I do remember this on the occasion of my mo- grandmother's birthday. I think it was her 65th birthday. We all went down to Minerva's for lunch and uh, my cousin Kathy and I went across, which was a big deal. I'm just going to tell you, going to Minerva's from the north, that, that was a big deal. So we had a great time. And, but my cousin Kathy and I went across the street to Shriver's Bargain Basement, I think was still open then. And we purchased these matching blue jerseys. Like uh, they were, you know, poly with red and white trim, you know, with a big 32 on the front. And in retrospect, you know, they were probably like knockoff OJ Simpson, Simpson jerseys. But they weren't like official, you know, there was no Simpson on the back or, you know, Buffalo Bills or anything like that. No NFL, uh, which would all be fine and good and would be a fact long lost to the dim myths of downtown history. If for not one thing, I was never very good at keeping track of such things as school pictures and stuff like that. So as luck would have it on the day scheduled to take pictures of the graduating eighth grade class there at St. Joseph Cathedral Junior High, I thought, you know, what a perfect day to wear a blue jersey with the big 32 on the front, a monstrous 32. First of all, I'm not sure how it was possible that they let me into Catholic school with uh, that had at least a minimum dress code with that shirt on, but they did. 
but the real implication is that jersey, that moment, is forever immortalized, memorialized in that eighth grade photo. Because not only did they let me wear the jersey to school, the photographer or maybe one of the nuns, not sure, uh, but this would be something they would do, understanding the long-term torture that would be involved in wearing that jersey to school on picture day put me directly in the middle of the picture. So there it is, forever captured on film. And now on Facebook, (laughs) that OJ jersey, that day in my family history, and that era in downtown Sioux Falls. And somehow I can never separate the two in my brain when I think of the old downtown. And I'll never be able to think of downtown, even when all its glory and all the fun things that are going on in the East Bank and new developments. To me, it'll always be the place where I bought the OJ jersey. And just for just so you can see how bad it is, I went ahead and put it on uh, the P. Lally Show Twitter feed. If you want to see it, be kind, people. Be kind. Uh, and you'll see a lot of other, you know, up-and-coming uh, Sioux Falls leaders in that photo. Friends of mine in the eighth grade class, uh, I believe it was uh, maybe 1978, something like that. Uh, You can go back there and reminisce with me if you want. It's also on my Facebook page if you want to go see that. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Jeff Harkness from our sister station, ESPN 99.1, and our man for college football. He'll be in in the second hour to explain how the Coyotes will beat the Jackrabbits tomorrow or something like that. The Buffalo Maiden will check in from the Black Hills Bureau for weird friends. Things are getting a little weird out there. Thea Miller-Ryan will be in studio with her regular update from the outdoor campus. On Friday, she comes in at 345. We'll find out what fish do in the winter. You've always asked yourself that, I know. And a special weird friend appearance by the Genomac. She's got this event coming up on Monday. It's called Lection, and she's going to tell us all about it. And she wants you to come on out, so we're going to give her a little time. And, of course, I'll have the P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, a little siding, a little taxes, a little oil. Mm, some other stuff that I think you're going to be interested in. The stupid man update for the day. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 30 days. 315 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000. Bodine's closer to free, which means it's PL time. And uh, I've been looking through the news. There is a lot going on today, so we're gonna kinda we're gonna just whip through these and see if we can get everything in in the allotted time that I have for the PL statement today. Uh, first of all, stupid man update. We've this is our new uh, feature where we look at the day's news in sexual harassment and assault. Uh, today is just kind of an update update because it's uh, Donald Trump uh, who is could be put in the stupid man category with the famed uh, tape, uh, off mic tape, hot mic tape from the campaign. But we'll, we'll, we'll make him an honorary stupid man right now. But this involves a confirmed stupid man, Al Franken, uh, 
and the uh, of course the stupid man in chief Roy Moore. They're all mixed up together, which proves there's you know there's no uh, uh, prescription against stupid men in any sort of philosophy and or dem- or political party. Uh, so Trump is taken off after Franken, you know, after the uh, photo came out and, of him uh, holding his hands over uh, that young lady's breasts on the flight on a USO trip in 2006. That's uh, Leanne Tweeden, who's a Los Angeles radio host. So uh, Trump comes out and says in a, in a pair of tweets, the accusations against Franklin uh, uh, against Franken saying the photo speaks a thousand words. And he says, where do his hands go in pictures two, three, four, five, and six while she sleeps? And to think that just last week he was lecturing anyone who would listen about sexual harassment and respect for women. Um, He called him Al Frankenstein, spelled Frankenstein wrong. But it's kind of funny, you know, Donald Trump hasn't said anything about Roy Moore. And, uh, you know, I just, I think it would be better in his case, given, you know, his history and some of the things that he has said to maybe just keep quiet about this one keep the attention off yourself donald let everybody else implode don't jump in the boat with them this is this is the true sign of a stupid man so that's the stupid man update for today um in city news a chicago firm has been chosen to analyze the siding at the uh famed denny sanford premier center that the siding that's caused so much trouble the warped siding the bent siding the, uh, the much maligned siding uh, that was part of the secret settlement, of course, that led to the lawsuit and yada, yada, yada. So now we want to know exactly what's wrong, right? So they put out a uh, RFP, which is uh, the process by which they get people to do things for them. And four firms submitted proposals. Uh, the winning firm was a Simpson, I'm sorry, Simpson, Gumperts, and Heger. They are based in Chicago. And they have extensive knowledge and experience in building enclosure systems. That's from the city press release. I like the language in here. Uh, in October, the city of Sioux Falls issued a request for a proposal for an independent review of the Denny Sanford Premier Center's Emetco CF12 exterior metal wall panel system for functionality and structural soundness. So they're going to look into that. Uh, all four firms that they looked at were from out of state, which is probably understandable. Uh, there's one, uh, Willowbrook, Illinois, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, another one from Chicago. So these guys, Simpson, Guttenberts, and Hager, they got it. Shouldn't take them too long to tell us if that's, uh, if the, uh, if the siding is structurally sound or not. They're going to look at, uh, air and moisture barrier system behind the metal wall as well. I think we're all anxiously awaiting the results of that review. Um, tax cuts. You know, the House Geo, the House of Representatives in the United States Congress approved a tax cut package yesterday, as many of you know. Uh, they had a few votes to spare, but not a lot. Um, and there's a lot of examination of that package. And uh, also it has to be reconciled with anything the Senate would pass. And obviously, I think that passed out of the Senate Finance Committee today. So it's, or yesterday, it's moving right along. Um, but it's got the individual mandate repeal in it and uh, all kinds of other stuff. So it's going to take them a while to reconcile those two bad boys. But one of the things that people are pointing out is there's a lot of discussion and there was a fight in the Senate Finance Committee yesterday between uh, uh, Orrin Hatch and uh, uh, the gentleman from Ohio. And, and it was awesome in terms of just complete meltdown. 
if you like that sort of thing. Uh, Orrin Hatch kind of lost it, uh, and that was fun, but it points to the the uh, tension that is in the air over tax cuts because Republicans have to have it, and they're kind of getting beat up now because the estate tax repeal is in there, and that's seen as, you know, a, a, a gift to billionaires, essentially, like Donald Trump, um, and the notion that, and that, you know, uh, Paul Ryan today was talking uh, about what a great deal this is for the middle class and all of that. One of the things that they had to do in this bad boy to make it work and come under the, the procedural laws, rules, and, and to make it balance was they had to basically sunset the cuts that are the, like the uh, doubling of the individual exemption and all that. They had to uh, sunset that. And in 2027, if they don't fix it, Everything goes away, but just for those individual taxes, not the corporate reduction. Now, I've said that we need that corporate reduction, too, to make everything competitive on the world stage. That really is a separate problem. And, and the deal is, I mean, they got this stuff all tangled up together. And in some ways, you got to do that because you got to make the numbers balance. But they ain't going to make the numbers balance anyway. And I was reading this analysis in the New York Times today, and uh, there's a uh, uh, quote here by Jacob Liebenluft. Liebenluft, he is a senior advisor at the Center on Budget, Budget and Policy Priorities. He is a former economic aide under President Obama, so he's a Democrat. But he said Republicans are, quote, making a choice as to which elements of their plan are permanent. Uh, and I think it's worth starting, uh, starting with taking them at face value. Um, yeah, I mean, if you take this at face value, the, co- the, the corporate taxes are permanent. The cuts, the individual ones are not. So if they can't agree, when we get to the end of the line here, uh, all of us little people get a big tax hike. And that would be bad. But they're banking on this notion of what is essentially trickle-down economics, that cutting corporate taxes will cause corporations to reinvest in wages, thereby paying taxes for everybody. And I, you know... I've heard Senator Thune talking about this, uh, Representative Num- and and all our delegation. I I just don't buy it. I don't. I mean, cutting the corporate taxes is has value on its own. You can't argue that it's going to mean money in my pocket because it's never happened. It's never happened. I I just don't know why we can't have a debate on taxes on the merits of the tax cuts themselves, rather on the the mystical notion of economics. Because you don't know, the corporations are got a gob of money right now. They've been making tons of cash. They've been leery about spending it because of the economic collapse and the recession because they're fearful about another recession. And so they've been sitting on it. There's no, they, they're not going to spend that money. So that concerns me. That concerns me. So you get to the end of this thing and you can't pay for the tax cuts going forward in 2027 or whatever it is, what do you got to do? You got to cut spending. And where is that going to come from? Medicare, Medicaid. Those are the big ones, entitlements, right? It's going to be, they're putting future Congress in a very, very bad position. And I don't think that's a good idea. The merits of the tax cuts notwithstanding. Uh, Back home, uh, the pipeline spill. You know, okay, we all know about the pipeline spill. And I just have a, a couple things to say about it. First of all, that's the original Keystone Pipeline that goes 30 miles away from here and 30 miles south goes right by the city, okay? 
And when they were putting that in, nobody paid any attention to it. Okay, I was in the news business then, and we wrote stories about it, and nobody read them. Nobody cared. So now you got this other Keystone Pipeline, XL, going across south, western South Dakota and down through Nebraska, and of course it's a big deal in Nebraska, and everybody loses their mind. So I got a couple things to say about pipelines. I'm not even going to go to the details of this one because I don't have time. One, as I said yesterday, and I've said for a long time, Pipelines are safer than trains or safer than trucks. If you aren't going to put in a pipeline, and there's pipelines everywhere, by the way. Pipelines are everywhere. It, you know, and more than just oil. I mean, gas, natural gas, uh, it's sewage. I mean, there's, there's pipes everywhere, okay, under the ground. Look at a map of pipelines in the United States. It's, just, it's like a maze. It's, it's an etch-a-sketch gone mad. But if you stop pipelines, how are you going to move that oil? You got to put it on a train. Well, you remember that train blew up in North Dakota? That's not particularly safe. You you need pipelines. I think they need to be heavily regulated. Safety standards must be held at a a high, high standard. All that must be true. But still, the safest way to move oil is in a pipeline. Now, if you don't want to burn as much oil, that's a different discussion. And I agree with that. But that's an energy discussion. That's a driving discussion. How many of you people who are losing your mind about this spill, and it's a big spill, there's no question about that, but how many people who are you losing your mind over this drove your car today? Almost all of you. How many of you took a bus? Almost none of you. How many rode your bike? Like me, I rode my bike today. What did you do? You drove a car. Quit driving your car. Then you've got something to say. Climate change is real. Cars are part of it. Fossil fuels are part of it. Carbon's part of it. If you don't start pressing for efficiency and higher standards for mileage and mass transit and alternative transportation, you cannot get mad about a pipeline spill. And you can't go up there with knee-jerk liberalism and stand at the border of North Dakota. You, You can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. That's the bottom line on the P&L today. Agree or disagree with me, Patrick at KSO.com. You can go to our Twitter feed, P. Lally Show on Twitter. Go to Facebook. We're on there live too. uh, And that's always fun. You can see me lose it in person. Coming up after the break, it's Weird Friends, the Buffalo Maidens in. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Surround yourself. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Little Rolling Stones. In honor of my next guest, the Weird Friend segment, the Buffalo Maiden is with us today from the Black Hills Bureau. And that little Rolling Stones there for uh, In Honor of the Buffalo Maiden. How was that? You know, there are only three bands I cannot listen to, and that is one of them. I thought you said you liked the Rolling Stones. No, no, never. Okay. No, never, never. We're going to have to start (laughs) over with that one. (laughs) Yes, you are. Let's let's start all over again. Can you put something else on? Maybe Uh, a little Wilco, something like that? Let me just... Pale through, uh, yeah, well, you're going to have to hold on for that one. Last week it was Blondie, which, you know, I'm yeah. no longer blonde, so that didn't work either. I'm 0 for 2. 0 you are. for 2. 
That's I'm not good. I'm going to have to come to the studio soon and, and, and get this all set up. You know, that's a good idea. Next time you come in, next time you're mm-hmm. over on the, uh, on, on the right side of the state, you're going you're yes. gonna to need to come to the studio and we'll like do some promos. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. This is the Buffalo that will work Maiden. Out. This is the Buffalo it Maiden, is. and you're listening to it's... the Patrick Lally Show. That kind of thing. <laughs> that yes, be... but I want some music. I want background music. I deserve background music. Yep. Hey, you were a little angry there. and uh, I was. Um, you were. And I, I've heard this from you before, and I get it, and I understand it. But you know what? We've, I've got a little anger issue out here, too. What's that? Well, for right now it's snowing. That's one little thing. Ah, but, whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's snowing? It just started right when you called. I don't know. Maybe it's because you're <laughs> so icy. But um, <laughs> I'm not sure. But it was beautiful. And now it just starts snowing. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, yeah, we, uh, uh, we, we've been getting some guns, uh, openly displayed guns, uh, when people come in to eat here. And it's uh, these little, I don't know what they are, because, you know, me, I'm not a pistol-packing mama by any means, but... These men come in. Uh, one guy had a picture. I do know that he had a picture of a rifle or something on his shirt. And the, the title was, This is the Tool and I Am the Weapon. Yeah. And he's, he's trying to make in a my point restaurant. there. Yeah. And, trying, yeah, yeah. and so, but the, all these guys, so they've got uh, a gun strapped to their like waist, like a holster situation? Yeah, yeah. And then they parade around with a, like a dislocated hip so that you can see this gun. And they walk around. We have these beautiful pictures of, you know, uh, in the restaurant of, of um, the national parks then mm-hmm. and now and, and stuff. And so they'll parade around and they'll, and they'll push out. They like push their hip out so that you can see this gun. Which is totally intimidating. I'm sorry, a gun is intimidating, no matter where it is, or or uh, it needs to be, you know, respected whether you're hunting or or, or however you're using this. Uh, it's a weapon. Yeah, and it's not it's like not there aren't. Thing. It's Custer. It's not like there aren't guns in Custer, but I mean, oh, why? everybody has. A, I'm, I'm sure. Every, I don't care if it's concealed. Yeah. But I don't need it to be out here. So for the first time in my life, I actually had to put a no gun sign out on my restaurant. Really. That's I did. strange. No, I mean, cause it was, it's a nice place. Why would you need to? I don't understand. I don't. I don't get it either. And it's, um, you know, and I had one, t- uh, two, two gentlemen with uh, seven children, and two guns. And I just, it just was too much. And the, uh, it makes everybody uh, uncomfortable. It makes you, you know, with everything that's going on in our headlines and around mm-hmm. the world. And I'm sure it's going to happen, you know, closer than than we want it to happen at some point. But. Um, I just, I don't want it. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want that to be my world, especially with Thanksgiving yeah, coming up. I know. And the thing is, is they have the, because they're, it's an open carry state. Now, if you want to conceal it, you got to get the permit, but you know, get the permit or do you think these you, were, you can get a permit easier than you can get a driver's license, I believe. <laughs> well, it's not that hard. <laughs> you have to, you know, go to the sheriff's office and, you know, do an application, all that, but that would make people, it's fine. Then you're armed. You feel comfortable. But you're not making yeah. people around you uncomfortable. Yeah. Why do you have to intimidate the other people? I mean, we're having dinner. What you know? Do we go to the table and say, "Would you like a gun with your burger?" Mm-hmm. Or you know? And it's, it's a just, tourist. It's, it's a tourist place, so you get people from all over the country and all over the world. And yeah. uh, well, yeah. that's just bad judgment. You could they could have left it, it in the car for dinner. Yes. You know. Yeah. Been okay. And. So now we'll see. We'll see what kind of backlash I get from it. But I, I hope it uh, goes over well. And, and um, I totally respect people who want to carry guns. Yep. I just don't need to see it. Not in your restaurant. Hey, you no. mentioned Thanksgiving. Um, so since you're in the restaurant business, do you like not cook anything on Thanksgiving? Or how's Nothing. that work? 
You just nothing. I am the worst Thanksgiving chef ever, and I quit. We used to do the whole huge, you know, twenty pound turkey, thirty people, every side dish, cook for days, and then do dishes for longer. And I just, I am terrible at it. And I made a point of being terrible at it so that people quit inviting me over to do it. Yeah. Um, so, no, we go, uh, uh, we head up the street to a wonderful little uh, memorial called Crazy Horse, and we have a brunch there, and then we go out and, and cut down Christmas trees. Oh, that's fun. But what I have done, uh, people ask all the time, how do you cook a turkey? How do you, what, you know, what, don't cook a turkey. It's dry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the worst piece of meat. I don't know why we got stuck with that. It, it, I found, you know, I was asking people, I, and, and throughout the years I've asked people, what's the most regrettable thing you've eaten on, on Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear some of them? Yeah. Um, my favorite is the cranberry orange jello ring, which that's that's fine. Yeah. This I think I would consider if you live in a small apartment because it's an all-in-one. It's a cranberry orange jello ring, and then you make a turkey uh, salad with croutons on the inside. So now you have your turkey stuffing and jello and all in one. That's Doesn't disgusting. That sound <laughs> That's disgusting. Oh, it's not nothing, as bad as, nothing as says the holidays, frozen, right? Yeah, it's the frozen jelly turkey vegetable sa- uh, salad that you make. <laughs> um, you take your turkey and some frozen veggies and cream of mushroom soup, and you mix a little gelatin in there, and then uh, you put that in the freezer, and then you slice that. That's just going to be delicious. <laughs> that suffered from this, gonna, this ring thing with the cranberries? That's a whole yep, different yep. operation? Oh, this my God. This is a God. whole different thing. But then my all-time favorite, and thank God my aunt isn't listening, she used to bring shrimp cocktail um, aspic salad. So instead of dipping your shrimp in the cocktail sauce, it was all gelatinous and put together, and you would just have to slice it. What? <laughs> It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank no, God you didn't hear me. I've got to make sure I understand this correctly. So you, you take the shrimp. And you take you, the shrimp and you take and the cocktail sauce. And you mix it all together. You mix it together. Yeah, yum. And then maybe you, probably a little lemon juice because you want a little flavor in there. And then you put aspic, which is gelatin, clear gelatin, and you put that and you pour it into, of course, a jello mold and... There was a lot of jello going around in the 70s. Um, that must have been. And so, and then you mold it, and then instead of dipping your shrimp in a cocktail sauce like any normal person would do, and it's very nice and elegant and, and delicious, yep. you just take a little slice of this and probably eat a uh, cracker. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little nauseous right now. I just threw up a little of, bit in my moved. mouth. She moved. She moved. Oh, okay. good, good. She could be listening <laughs> online. Uh, yeah. Well, with that uh, uh, tasty morsel in our brains... Um, Buffalo Maiden, thanks for uh, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Sure. Be we'll safe. Talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. This okay. is the Patrick Lally Show on Information One Thousand KSOO. Brian Kilmeade. After midnight, out in the And it's 3.46 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Patsy Klein walking after midnight. That's the old version, the original version of Patsy Klein, and that's for our friends in the studio right now, Thea Miller-Ryan. She's with the director of the Outdoor Campus. And, I, you know, Thea, I think, uh, you know, I think Thea Miller-Ryan, I think a little classic country. Is that, is that up your alley? I love classic country. Heck yeah. Oh, okay. Well, see, we've, we've hit on something you like. I, 
I in the previous segment I totally screwed up for the Buffalo Maiden. Oh no. Yeah, I I played Rolling Stones and she said that's one of the three bands she hates. <laughs> I know. I, I did not start off well, but we're not here to talk about music. We're here to talk about the outdoor campus. And Thea has brought with her a guest. It's Dave Lucchese. He is a fisheries biologist with the Game Fish and Parks. Uh, Mr. Lucchese. Am I saying that properly? Lucchese. Yes. I nailed it. Woohoo. <laughs> um, that's one good thing today. Uh, you uh, you guys, uh, we bring you in every Friday, mm-hmm. Thea, and you always bring a friend. Right. Which is, you know, appropriate. <laughs> um, and we talk about stuff that's going on at the outdoor campus and, you right. know, wildlife and that kind of thing. But uh, you told me mm-hmm. that one of the questions you always get is where do fish, what do fish do in the winter? We get that question all the time. People are like, do fish freeze? What happens to them? And that's why you brought Mr. Lucchese. That's Lucchese's why I brought Dave, yeah. Because he, is, he, he knows the answers. He is a fisheries biologist. Before we answer the question, Mr. Lucchese, what does a fisheries biologist with the Game Fishing Parks actually do? Um, we manage our fish populations in our lakes. Uh, one big reason is is for people who want to go out there and catch fish, go fishing. So you make sure that we have fish to catch. So you're the people who decide like limits or if like a population's crashing and that kind of thing. Yeah, we do that. Uh, we we uh, develop stocking plans. So some of the waters that might need fish uh, get stocked and others that don't, uh, we don't have to do that. And we set regulations, limits and size limits and all of that. It seems very complicated. It's, well, I'll say this. It seems like you get wet a lot. Is that true? Yeah, you're always wading around in a pond somewhere. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, in the summer it can be beautiful uh, to be out on the lake, and uh, early in the spring when the snow and the water is hitting you in the face, uh, it's not quite as much fun. Not sometimes. as much fun. No, I can understand that. So, um, you do do the the state does a lot of stocking around here, does it not? I mean, that's a pretty common thing for our waterways. That is a really common management practice, especially in the waters around Sioux Falls. Uh, we have a lot of fishing pressure. A lot of people go fishing. And so we stock those waters often with adult fish, and it's called put and take, where uh, we stock them and we hope that people will just come out and catch those fish. Where do you get fish? We either get them from a hatchery, like Blue Dog Hatchery up at Wah Bay, or, or possibly one of the West River uh, Black Hills hatcheries, collect cl- uh, Cleghorn Springs or McNinney. That's where we get our trout for stocking into uh, Family Park. So there's trout in Family Park? I didn't know that. Yep. We stock them in the fall when the water's going to get cold because trout do well in cold water. And then we do stock them in the spring and we hope that people will catch them out before the water gets too warm. And there's a lot of those. Uh, Family Park is not a huge lake by any means, um, but it's become a very popular fishing hole. But there's a lot of those little little lakes like between here and Madison that probably you guys pay a lot of attention to, don't you? Yeah, we do because uh, they're very popular with anglers around Sioux Falls and there's a lot of anglers in Sioux Falls. And so, so we, we watch those lakes closely and manage them fairly intensively. Um, and people love to fish, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's pretty popular, especially in South Dakota. Um, we've maintained our number of anglers over the last uh, couple of years. It seems to be hanging in there. Like how many people, because you've got to get a license. So how many licenses do people in the state of South Dakota? I mean, it's thousands, right? Yeah, it's, it's tens of thousands of licenses that are sold every year just to residents and, and, then, uh, and then quite a few licenses to non-residents, people who want to come in and, and fish places like Lake Oahe mm-hmm. or... Uh, or up in the northeast, Bitter Lake, Lake Thompson. Right. Okay, so here's the big question, Dave. What, 
What what do fish do in the winter? Well, in general, they tend to slow down because, as we know, they're cold-blooded, which means as the water gets colder, their body temperature uh, declines. And so and so they, they slow down. They don't tend to eat as much. They, uh, they almost hibernate. Uh, they don't do their growing. They don't reproduce in the winter. And so... Uh, so, so they slow way down, but, but that varies. Uh, like bass, they almost hibernate in the winter, but northern pike and perch and walleyes, they still are fairly active, and that's why you can catch them through the ice. When well, that was my question. Fishing. If they're down there, like, slothing around on the bottom, why do they even bother with my worm? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they, uh, they do feed. The species like northern pike, they're, they're acclimated to those cold temperatures or rainbow trout or, or yellow perch. And so, so they will feed in the wintertime, and, uh, and so that's how you can catch them in the winter. It's probably not on a worm, though. No, worms aren't real okay. popular. I think most people fish uh, with minnows, maggots, and uh, all bigger baits like chubs, too. Yeah. I was surprised by the maggot thing. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of our regular guests is Matt Staub from Northview Bait, and he was telling me about the maggots. And I, it sounds terrible, but I, if it works, right? It does work well. Uh, fish like perch and crappies and bluegills, they love maggots, and I, I don't know why. You wouldn't think they'd get them uh, in their environment down <laughs> no. there, but it's a favorite. That's pretty wild. How far, like, when you're fishing for when you're ice fishing, are you trying to fish the bottom? Are they way down at the bottom of the lake, or are they f- up towards the top? You know, it just varies. Uh, a lot of fish, like like northern pike and uh, and often walleyes and perch, are found near the bottom of the lake. But but crappies will often suspend up in the water column. And if you have a vexillar or, or some sort of device like an underwater camera, you'll see them up there four, five, sometimes even ten feet above the bottom of the lake. Oh wow. Um, so over at Outdoor Campus, yeah. uh, you want to learn more. You can always learn about everything about the outdoors, including fishing. That's and right. We do a lot and of hunting. fishing. And you have ice fishing at the Outdoor Campus. We do. As soon as we have thick enough ice, we will open up that ice fishing um, classes. And people can come out, families. We really love having people come out and see what it's like to really ice fish. You still have to have a license, right? Uh, or do you, you not? You do not during one of our classes. Okay. But if you fish outside of our class, of course, yes. Do you sell licenses over there? They're available everywhere. They're available like. in a ton of places. Yeah, you can get them um, get online at our office, get on a computer and get one. Mm-hmm. You can print them out. Um, you can also go to any of the area sporting goods stores, gas stations, yeah. big box stores. Yeah. Lots of places have them. That's how you know there's a lot of people fishing because you can buy a fishing license at about every convenience store in Sioux Falls, right? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, that's <laughs> outstanding. Um you guys, thanks for coming in. And also, other activities outdoor campus, it's great in the winter. Don't right. forget about the outdoor campus in the winter just because yeah, it's cold. Yeah, we're still open. Um, people forget that sometimes. So what we're looking for right now is really deep snow yeah. and really thick ice. So if anybody takes orders, and I know I'm being hated on yeah, right now. that's right. We need, we need that, and we will have some great fun. We'll do cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, and ice fishing. Outstanding. Uh, the outdoor campus, uh, just off 49th on Oxbow, and it's right next to the Sanford Wellness Center there. You can't miss it. It's a great place. Uh, Thea, Dave, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. You keep putting out cash for the la- 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOL. And coming up 
on December 14, 15, 16, 17. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's Christmas at the Cathedral, at the Cathedral of St. Joseph up on the hill there. All four nights at 7.30 p.m. plus a 1 p.m. performance on Saturday and 2 p.m. on Sunday. Proceeds will benefit the Bishop Dudley House and Cathedral of St. Joseph ongoing care and maintenance. Uh, you can get more at ccfesd.org. It's a great event. And uh, coming up in the second hour, we're going to talk to Jeff Harkness. He is our football guy. We're going to talk about the State U game. Go Yotes! This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOR. SiouxFallsHelpWanted.com presents the world's worst boss, the one who posts jobs on huge national job sites looking for anyone with a pulse. We'll just call him Dave. Shirley, it's your one-year review. Uh, I'm Doris, and it's my five-year review. Right, so profits are down. Dave, you just got a huge bonus. Says who? You, in an email to the whole company twice. Look, it's not about me, it's about you. How are you doing? Fine. Great. All winter long with a furnace that runs quietly and efficiently. Call our heating specialists today and we'll bring the heat. Prairie Suns, plumbing, fire protection, heating, and cooling. And we bring in Blaze Keller, meteorologist at KDLT over there, just not so far from the KSO studios. Blaze, no, it's a nice road. Yeah, it's just down the road. road. You could just come over, man. I don't know why we do this by phone. I, you know what? I should. I really should come over there. See you guys more often. Yeah, it'd be fun. Just kind of a homey little atmosphere we'd have going here. Uh, say, I got a question for you. Oh, yeah. Shoot. All right. So I am going on a little bike ride tonight. It's the Fab. Why? Well, it's the Fab, uh, uh, you know, night, you know, starlight ride, but it coincides with the big lighting of the falls tonight. Oh, gotcha. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So my question for you is, um, it was pretty nice coming in, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to be nice going out. <laughs> Yeah, when it, when is that ride going on? Uh, we started about 6, but, you know, it'll go on into the evening. Okay, yeah, I would expect at least a hit-or-miss chance for some light rain, possibly turning over to a rain-snow mix. Yes, that's what we like to hear, Blaze. Yeah, hopefully you got <laughs> one of those, like, fat tire bikes. Uh, <laughs> you know? no. Nope, you're just going to wing it with, yeah. like, those thin road bike wheels. <laughs> Something in between those two. But, you know, you're not talking about, like, slippery snow you're talking about snow that sort of appears to be coming down with the rain and then dies on the ground right yeah um i mean our ground obviously is still way too warm i mean even if it were to land on it it would most it would most definitely uh you know melt almost instantaneously but that being said um you you may get some slick conditions because our overall temperatures will dip below freezing overnight (laughs) about 28 degrees so but i think that i mean that's that low temperature is more kind of almost into the very early morning hours on your next day. So, like, if I'm if I'm forecasting, say, an overnight low for 28 degrees, that 28 degrees, unless something, you know, like a front's moving through or something like that, usually we hit our overnight lows almost around, like, 5, 6 in the morning. Yeah, so, so I should be okay. So unless you're going to be out biking that long. Well, but, uh, I hope not. That's <laughs> not the plan, anyway. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, probably going to continue to see at least this kind of crummy, gloomy mess out there, turning more over to a rain-snow mix this evening, down to about 28 degrees. Plenty of sunshine and upper 30s for Saturday. So, yes. you know, it's going to be a little bit breezy, too, because we're changing out some air masses here real quick. 
Then we're back into the upper 40s for Sunday underneath mostly clear skies. 50s to kick off Thanksgiving week. Uh, low 50s, that is. Partly cloudy skies on Monday. A little bit cooler Tuesday, Wednesday. 40s on Thanksgiving. 50s by Friday. So, All right. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but, you know, those temperatures ranging, especially, you know, Monday and Thanksgiving and next Friday, if it all pans out, that's about 5, 10, 15 degrees above normal. Yeah, so. that's pretty good. I, I That sounds like a Thanksgiving Day bike ride to me. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. there is the Thanksgiving morning run for the banquet, so I might do that. Yeah, and, you, you know, it looks like it's going to be pretty dry, too, at least throughout the next seven days. The Climate Prediction Center kind of, I think, hit the, hit the nail on the head here, finishing out the month warmer and drier. Next month, though, because they already put out the outlook for December, it looks like we could be on the wetter side and a little bit on the cooler side, so... Well, we'll you see how it pans out. You just made Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus happy. She was just here. You know, they want snow and they want cold so they can do ice fishing and snowshoeing and that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's almost like it's a, I mean, it's a staple for, you know, winter. Like, if we're going to be that cold, you might as well have the snow. If yeah. not, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, I suppose. Sure. What for are we the, doing? You know, you want, you want the kids to have fun in the snow, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, give them a snow day. Why not? Teach them winter sports. Teach them winter survival. That's right. You know, we had to do it as kids. That's right. They can too. Get out there. <laughs> yeah. Don't come back till you're numb. <laughs> Kill three bears and find some dinner. <laughs> uh, Blaze Keller, meteorologist at KDLT Weather. Uh, we'll be looking for you tonight on the news, Blaze. Thanks All a lot. right. Sounds good. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. We've gathered today's talkers. Kilmead, Platt, Dana, Thousand, KSOO. Let the Main Street Cafe be your alarm clock. Weekday mornings at 5 with the latest news, weather, and sports and entertainment to get you out the door with a smile on your face. We'll be sitting around spilling coffee and cleaning up crumbs right along with you on Information 1000 KSOO. And we're back with uh, a very special visit from our friend, Who's normally in the weird friend segment, and uh, it's Jenna Mac. Uh, Jenna Mac. Hello. Welcome, welcome to a, a little later f- Friday afternoon slot, and uh, we we brought you in today because you've got uh, some sort of crazy event going on. Uh, so this this lection thing that I've been seeing. A it, crazy event that you're going to come to, right? Oh, I would imagine. I would. I don't see I, you know, why I wouldn't. Because you can both read and speak, correct? I can both read and speak, sometimes at the same time. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, it's um, not often, but sometimes. <laughs> as, as a personal favor to me, yes. lection, um, it's going to be Monday night, mm-hmm. 1.30, a writer's group that has an event there. Um, they get together once a month, kind of bad around. They're going to let us tailgate on their event. Monday at 7.30 at Monk's. Yep. And what it is, is we want to have people come. We want them to bring a book. It's not like an open mic where they read their own work or they test out their own material. We want them to bring a book, any genre that has been important to them or they find entertaining or they want to share. They get up. We have, we have a sign-up sheet. They sign up. They get up. They do not say anything about what they're going to read and read for two minutes. And then at the end, we kind of reveal what each of the pieces came from. Oh, so everybody reads and you don't say anything till the end? 
Right. Not every, you don't have to read just to listen. We just to listen last time, um, and we had plenty of people come to read. They read for two minutes. The timer goes off, and they have to stop. They don't tell you the title. They don't tell you the author. They don't tell you the topic, whether it's fiction, whether it's nonfiction. They just get up, and they can start in the middle of the book, whatever they want, and they read until the timer goes off. So you should, if you want to read, you should probably find something that speaks to you somehow that you think is exceptionally well written, or a, a you know has a lovely message, or uh, uh, what's or is just want. funny as heck. Yes, that's what's going to be my next thing. F- very mm-hmm. funny, and then you move on. So, like, how many people come and do this? Well, our goal is because if twelve people read for the allotted time, it wraps up in in about an hour. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and then, actually, what we do is we ask the audience to vote while, while the different readers go up, and they will, at the end, we poll the audience and find out which, which reader kind of gets the most votes. We ask them to come back up and read for five more minutes from the same piece, um, and they don't have to pick up where they left off. They just read five more minutes. And then after that, we go through and talk about what was everybody's title, what was everybody's you know, author. And, and at the first event, um, we spent more time afterwards. Everybody was exchanging books and talking about it. And some of us were surprised at what was being read from one, one of the funnier pieces, uh, ended up being the autobiography of Martin short. Really? Yeah. And you might have known that's what was being read from. You would not have known that was an autobiography. Yeah, that's crazy. So do, do people actually get them right sometimes? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody was able to guess that. I know that there was one person that read, I'm pretty sure who the author was, Mm -hmm. was because I've read several of their books, but I couldn't have picked the others out of anywhere. We had, uh, we read from a, the People's History of the United States, uh, we had someone read from a murder mystery novel. Sia Miller Ryan of the Outdoor Campus. She read from names of towns in South Dakota. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit, Jenna Mack. Are you uh, are you in a dungeon somewhere, or what's the deal here? Absolutely. You are in a dungeon, uh, undisclosed. I'm in an undisclosed location. That that's probably that's probably not good, but that's. No, <laughs> I'm in a town where the only person. Funeral home. So you're so you're out in the middle of nowhere, calling me on a cell phone, trying to make this work. Is that what is that, right. what, is that what I'm? Yes, hearing? it's made from two coconuts. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the case. Um, so we'll 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 just we'll keep fighting through it. It's going to be okay, right? Um, I'll try and hold still. Yeah, don't yeah don't move around a lot. That's that's key. <laughs> um, uh, so well, th- this is at yeah. Monk's seven thirty on Monday. Now, 730 on Monday. The other group is the South it's South Dakota Rights, right? Right. That which is a nonprofit group and they do all kinds of stuff for authors. So are there but people don't read from their own books. How can you keep those people from reading not reading their own work? That's that's impressive. I you know, we had a well two published authors in our group last time and neither one of them read from anything of their own. That's impressive. Um so yeah. I think, cool. I think that even people who become prolific 
writers started out as a reader. Oh, absolutely. That's and absolutely something true. had to inspire them. Yep, yep. So, so. Uh, what else is going on this weekend? We usually have you on Weird Friends, often on Fridays. Because, yes. Because, as we say, you're pretty and you do things. So That's right. What, uh, and, I'm, and I'm pretty and I'm going to read out loud on Monday night at Monk's at 7.30. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. What, what's going on this weekend for you? Is it's, uh, it's kind of a busy weekend. It is. There's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. I am actually doing a murder mystery, um, but it is for a holiday party for a corporate gig. So that has um, absorbed a lot of my time. I'm excited because there's improv next week, the day before Thanksgiving at the market. So I'm going to get to eat like two nights in a row. Really? So yeah. this, what you're doing murder mystery for a corporate gig? What is that? There are a lot of really great employers in this city that know how to celebrate their workforce, and they will often reach out to companies such as Off the Cuff Stuff. That's who I'm performing for this weekend. Um, we come in. They, they've hired us to be their entertainment. Their employees, they're going to provide them with dinner and drinks and a murder that they're going to solve and sprinkled throughout the crowd is myself and my fellow cast members. Really? So what's that group called again? Off the cuff stuff. Off the cuff stuff. And I don't uh, know a few years ago, they, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tony and Tina's wedding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we did Tony and Tina's wedding. Um, I was in some of the Sioux Falls performances. They were also out at Grand Falls a couple years ago. It's, it, we're, I'm, we're that same batch of crazy thespians. Uh, I see. Do you do, a yeah. lot of, do you do a lot of these gigs? I'm kind of fascinated by this, obviously. Um, at least once a year we do a Christmas party. So at least once a year someone's employer wants their team to band together and solve crime. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of weird, man. So yeah, Sound, yeah. But I suppose it's a, good, it's a different kind of Christmas party, isn't it? It is. It doesn't. And if you've ever been to interactive dinner theater, it's you're not pushed into performing as the audience. Um, but oddly enough, the people that say I'm not going to have nothing to do with it, they end up becoming the most involved sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So not you're not pushed into performing. You you can't. Oops! I lost you again. I lost you. Genomac, you may have you may have finally slipped. Yeah, there goes Genomac. Well, we appreciate Genomac showing up today and filling us in on the event Monday at uh, Monk's House of Ale Repute. That's South Dakota Rights, and and the event is called Lection. It's the second one, and you go down there and you bring a book and you read, and people try and guess it. It's fun with literature and and uh, hang out with some authors and that sort of thing. Just a just a good time. I recommend it. The South Dakota Rights Group is a uh, uh, pretty pretty uh, impressive group of people published a lot a lot their members have published a lot of books in the self-publishing world and so it's a it's a good crowd so monday night 7:30 monk's house of ale repute it'll be uh, worth your time just hang out and watch if you're into books and literature and that sort of thing we'll come back after the break and we're going to talk about the big state U game tomorrow with Jeff Harkness of ESPN 99.1 Radio. It's the Smackdown in the Dome, baby. I am pumped up. As I said earlier in the week, 
I'm not sure that I can actually sit and watch the game because I might drive myself crazy. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on the Dig In mountain bike trail fundraiser for a while at least and then maybe peel off and catch the second half if I can. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, anyway, Jeff will be in the second hour to fill us in on, uh, you know, break down the game a little bit and uh, talk some smack. He doesn't take sides, but I'm going to take sides. So, you know, that's the way it's going to go because it's my show. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Around 2000 BC. And it's 4.33 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO, a little I won't back down because I am not backing down. <laughs> Jeff Harkness is here with us, and we're going to talk about the State U football game, which is tomorrow afternoon in the Dakota Dome in Vermilion. I'm not backing down because my Coyotes are going to win, right, Jeff, right? Uh, you know, I could argue it either way. You know, remember high school debate class? Yeah. When they gave you a topic and they said, okay, you have to argue it both sides. Right. I could actually argue this one from both sides and make a compelling argument. Yeah, because the Coyotes are great. We know that. <laughs> That's not true. They have, been, <laughs> they have actually been faltering. L- lately, they have not been great. And the beatdown they got in Fargo yeah. last was just, yeah. you wanted, you expected more. I mean, it, you know it's there, because, but they lost, what, 44 to 10 or something like that. You knew it could come because it's the Bison, it's in Fargo, and they got beaten Brookings the week before. Sometimes it's not that you lose. Sometimes it's how you lose. And Bob Nielsen, the coach of the Coyotes, was very, very quick to point out after the game. He was not happy at all with the effort of his team, especially in the second half. And when your coach is questioning your effort, now it's more than you just got beat by a good team. I mean, and Nebraska fans feel the same way after their performance against Minnesota. It's not that you got beat. It's how you lost. And the Coyotes... Oh, boy, they just, I mean, in the second half, they just barely showed up in that game. Yeah, it was not pretty. And the problem is they had been in those, so they lost three out of four. And the other two they lost, they were in and really should have won, could have won. The Northern Iowa game, they are going to kick themselves when it comes to the Northern Iowa. Now, and we'll talk about this as we go forward. The Coyotes will make the playoffs regardless of what happens. You think so? Yes. The Coyotes are going to make the playoffs regardless of what happens tomorrow. But... You take that Northern Iowa game back, and they had the mm-hmm. lead in the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. turned it over three times yeah. in the fourth quarter yeah. on the road in a game they should have won. You put that win in the win column now. Mm-hmm. Now tomorrow's game has a whole completely different element to it. Because they're playing for home field. Right, and, and, and that still could happen, but you could have both South Dakota teams perhaps getting a first-round buy and a top-eight seed if the Coyotes win that game as well. You think that's possible if they both have three? Would it be three conference losses, right? Right. If, if, if the Coyotes win tomorrow, then they and South Dakota State would both finish with five and three records in the Missouri Valley. And they would, the Coyotes would obviously have the head to head advantage there. So any sort of tiebreaker, if you will, would go kind of in their direction, although they really don't break a tie, anything beyond who's the automatic qualifier. That's the only thing that matters in terms of tiebreakers is who is the automatic qualifier because only the champion gets that automatic qualifying spot. And right now, surprise, surprise, North Dakota State has the inside track. Although, if they lose at Illinois State tomorrow, which they could, the Bison uh, are, are on the road and they're playing a pretty good team, as, as we saw Illinois State take South Dakota State into overtime. Mm-hmm. If they lose that game, you could have a three-way tie for first in the Missouri Valley because Northern Iowa has had a super easy schedule the last two weeks. They've played the bottom two teams in the conference. Missouri State last week, who mm-hmm. is now a robust 
two and five in the league. Yeah. And this week they get zero and seven Indiana State to end the year. In, so the Panthers yeah. are in. They are going to finish six and two. And they were written off for dead at the beginning of the That's season. That's what they do. Northern Iowa plays a tough schedule early on. They always get behind the eight ball every year where they have to go on this amazing run to get into the playoffs. And then they either come up a game short or they get in by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. They will finish either a game out or they will finish tied with North Dakota State and perhaps South Dakota State for the overall conference championship. That's just crazy. Yeah. Now, and if that happens, then you've got this whole convoluted who goes and off. Well, obviously, South Dakota State beat North Dakota State right. earlier this year, and they beat Northern Iowa. No, the Northern no, Iowa. I think Northern Iowa. Northern beat. Iowa beat them. That's yep. right. So then you've got that whole issue of, and then, but North Dakota State beat Northern Iowa. Yeah. And so I'm not sure how they break the tie. They, they figured all that stuff out. But um, the, anyway, those teams will get in. The, the, obviously, the Bison will get a first-round bye. South Dakota State, if they win tomorrow, will get a first-round bye, top eight seed again. The Coyotes, here, here's the amazing part, Patrick. A lot of people don't even think the Coyotes are going to make the playoffs. Not only will they make the playoffs, if they win tomorrow, right. they will get a top eight seed oh, and a first-round bye. They How will. How sweet would that be? Because they will have an FBS win right. on the road at Bowling Green, which not a lot of teams have. Right. And then they'll have two quality FCS wins. They'll have a win against Western Illinois, because Western's going to the playoffs as well, more than likely. And they'll have a win against South Dakota State. Yeah. A top five team. Yeah. And they will finish undefeated at home. Let's forget, the Coyotes are one of only two teams in the Missouri Valley that have not lost a game at home this year. The other one is North Dakota State. That's amazing. And the the last few games notwithstanding, they, they only, when you look at these things, they have one clunker game. Right. And usually every team has one clunker yep. game. Yep. Even North Dakota State had a clunker against SDSU. Yeah. And I know we're making a lot out of, of what has happened recently with the Coyotes. And, I mean, let's face it, they are on a run right now that is not the kind of run you want to be on right. heading into the postseason. But I can tell you from talking to people who know the inside circles, the committee is not supposed to regard any of that. They're not supposed to regard things like losing streaks because their philosophy is, look at your strength of schedule. If these games had been spread out a little bit more, if the Coyotes had still lost the games that they've lost to Northern Iowa, to North Dakota State, you know, to those, but if they had lost them in non-consecutive weeks, right. we might not be having the same conversation. Yeah. They still would be looking good with a potential of finishing 5-3. and three. But, but it's just because all these losses have come on the heels of one another, we want to somehow look down on this schedule. No, they're still playing a tough schedule. It was just backloaded yeah, for them. Yeah, and that is the difference. Like when you talk about Northern Iowa, they played a bunch of tough games early. Right. It's just the way the schedule works. Yeah. Um, we're here with Jeff Harkness. He is uh, our college football analyst. That's what we're calling you now. Okay, good. Uh, and from <laughs> ESPN 99.1, the big game tomorrow, State U. Uh, it, start, it starts at 2. 2 o'clock in the Dome, yes. It's, it's on television yep. in bars and Restaurants across the uh, state, and I Mid-Coast imagine Midco Sports Network, Midco Sports Network, and uh, a couple of radio stations that will yep. rename, remain nameless. <laughs> but uh, I here, you know, here's my problem. Yeah, I want to watch this game, but I don't think I can handle the stress. You know yeah, what I mean? I, well. I I love watching football, but if I have a rooting interest, as I've been telling people, I kind of lose my mind. Mm-hmm. That uh, Youngstown State game was on television. Yeah. I I was all over the place. I could not <laughs> sit down. So, and this one's even worse because it's state U. Well, um, and again, there are some good omens for the Coyotes in this game. We talked about the fact they're undefeated at home. Mm-hmm. 
Also, remember, this is year six of the Division I era between mm-hmm. South Dakota State and USD. And we haven't won one. This will be three. This will be the third game in Vermilion. There's mm-hmm. been three in Brookings. Now this will be game three in Vermilion. Both of the previous two games in Vermilion have been decided late. Yeah. They've been good games that were very competitive. Even when the, when the U wasn't as good, say mm-hmm. back in uh, 2013. Yeah. The, the, the they were terrible. Was, this game was still pretty good. Yeah. Um, and the game up in Brookings last year was good. So we've had we've had back to back consecutive games that were very competitive in this series. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is the best Coyote team we've had in quite a, a quite a bit of time. I mean, yeah. Bob Nielsen now in his second year, and he's been a proven winner everywhere he's gone. Chris Streveler, the transfer from Minnesota, who people forget when he walked onto campus last year, had not been in summer practice, had not been in, in, in spring football. Yeah, walked on campus and started with the playbook and with this new coaching staff and had to learn it from the ground up and then jump in and play this first season with a lot of guys that were injured in his receiving core. Now, with a year of this system under his belt, mm-hmm. with a with a receiving core that is as deep as anybody in the Missouri Valleys, with a bunch of healthy guys around him, you're seeing how good this guy is. He will probably be the Offensive Player of the Year in the conference. That's that's amazing to think about. And he's working on his second master's degree. Yeah. Um, we're going to come right back with Jeff Harkness from ESPN 99.1, and we will talk about the Jack. I was going to say, I we pr- need to talk I, about the I promise, <laughs> I promise, I promise. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Hi, folks. Chad here from the Main Street Cafe. 444 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Love some sweet. Yeah. It's a ballroom blitz, baby. We're going to ballroom blitz them. That's what we're going to do. Well, it's interesting you play that song, Patrick, because blitzing could have a real key in this game tomorrow because who's able to get to the other's quarterback will have a lot to say. And right now the Coyotes have done a much better job this year than the Jackrabbits of getting to the opposing quarterback. Yeah. Now here's what. You know, we haven't talked about it, and that is the suspensions um, led to some depletion in the secondary. Right, two starters suspended, and and, and, uh, for all intents and purposes, let's just say they kicked off the team. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. So uh, since then, though, the defense has not been as tight. Is that fair to say? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and, and go back a week to Fargo. North Dakota State, if you follow the Bison over the years, they're a team that's going to run it down your throat. Where did North Dakota State get a lot of their yardage last week? They threw it. Yeah. They had some very, very decent-sized passing plays against that Coyote defense, which maybe wouldn't have happened three weeks ago. And we know that SDSU, now let's move to SDSU, yeah. they can throw the ball. Right, number one passing team in the, in the, in the conference. That's, so that's, from a, if you're a Coyote fan, that's worrisome. Right. Um, so when you talk about blitzing, they have to make, they have to make uh, a Christian very uncomfortable. And, and here's the thing. You've got two quarterbacks who had that run label kind of attached to them because mm-hmm. Terry Christian coming out of Roosevelt and then Chris Streveler coming in from Minnesota. These were guys that were probably more comfortable tucking it and running it than they were standing back there and throwing it. Both of these guys now have evolved into complete quarterbacks. Yeah. And so you can't just now think they're just going to dump it over the middle. These guys can throw it down the field. But you also have to respect their ability. If it's not there, they're going to tuck it and they're going to pick up a first down. And yeah. So both these guys' ability – on third and long, it just gives de- – defensive coordinators have got have nightmares going against these guys because they get outside, and next thing you know, third and nine turns into first and ten. These are the kind of games for fans, no matter who you're a fan of, 
that can be the most frustrating thing to watch yes. because yes. you feel like, okay, we got them third and 12. Ah, uh, there he goes. Right. <laughs> and, and, and where South Dakota State has been effective this year, everybody now knows about Jake Winicky yep. and Dallas Goddard. They're very talented, all-American wide receiver and tight end. And so the Jackrabbits have had to find other guys, and they've gotten other players involved in the passing game. They've also gotten their running back, Bertie Mangarelli, uh, catching passes as well. And so they've found a way to say, okay, you're going to shut these two guys down. We'll mm-hmm. beat you with these other guys as well. You know what, I, this is, you know what it comes down to, Jeff? This is, my, uh, this is my expert analysis here. It's all about the linebackers. Well, it's it, 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 and there's there's some good ones on both sides. <laughs> yep. some really good ones on both sides. It's it was what it's really going to come down to. It's going to come down to who can hang on to the ball better. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, and look at the look at the games that these teams have lost this year. They've lost yeah. it when they've turned it over. And the Coyotes went on that incredible streak at the beginning of the year where they hadn't have any turnovers. Right. Well, Chris Trevler for the longest time had only thrown an interception in one game. Yeah, and that was the Illinois State game. Other than that, he hadn't thrown an interception all year. And yeah. then they get to Northern Iowa. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but it's, you know, it's, it's the rivalry game. This yeah. is the thing that always drove me crazy uh, in the early days of this, where my friends from Brookings, my friend, my good, good friends from Brookings would say, well, you know, that USD game, it's not even really a rivalry game anymore. <laughs> it's really about North Dakota State, man. Yeah. That, what a load of hooey it, that it, was. It depends on how you're looking at it. If you're looking at it from a football standpoint, the last Six years from a football standpoint, North Dakota State, South Dakota State has been a much better, bigger rivalry. Now, it's a good game, no fr- question. From a socioeconomic, uh, <laughs> uh, every other aspect you want to bring into it, it's still state in the U. It still is. Now, remember, I moved here in 1989. There were several years in there where they played twice a yep. year. They would play a conference game. And then they would play a non-conference game yep. every year, which was bizarre. It was bizarre, and I went to school during that period. And it was a little much, yeah. You know, and it kind of watered the rivalry down a little bit. I think. Yeah, that's better this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the whole D one thing. There, there are pluses and minuses, and there's plenty of minuses. But the, this thing tomorrow is the single biggest college football game in the yeah. state of, ever it in is. this state. It there's is. no question about it. This will be the most talented matchup we've had of these two teams at the Division One level. Certainly, certainly the most on the line with with the potential of a, of a top eight seed for the winner tomorrow. And oh, by the way, t- talking about the playoffs. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, ESPNU on national television. They will release the 24 teams, and so we'll find out who the top eight seeds are. We'll find out who the 24 teams are total, and we'll find out those first-round matchups, which will begin next weekend. Yeah, so we that's pretty cool. So we know the the probably – is it James Madison? James Madison's number one, North Dakota State. Well, yeah, James Madison, uh, Jacksonville State. I know Sam Houston's up there. Let me pull it up here. No, the State's G- back in the top the five. The Jacks though. are in the t- depending on the poll. There's two yeah. polls. There's the stats poll and there's the coaches poll. Um, but yeah, it, it sta- State is I think five in one poll, six in another poll. Yeah. The, the Coyotes fell out of the top ten for the further down to sixteen. Yeah, well, you know, for for good reason. Well, um, yeah, right. But there, the but who's these James Madison people? Who are these people? What, do you even know where they are? They're, they're back east. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what's interesting, okay, the, the latest coaches poll, James Madison, Jacksonville State, Central Arkansas, Sam Houston, SDSU, North Dakota State, the top six. Here's what's interesting. The Missouri Valley could set a record with six teams in the playoffs this year. So how does one team get get 25% of the playoff field? Well, they're good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. th- these, are the, these are some of the best teams in the country, and the rest of the country is really not that good. Here's something really interesting, Patrick. There are 13 or 14 conferences in, FC, in FCS. 
two of the conferences don't participate. Three of the conferences don't participate in the postseason with their with their winners. The Ivy League does not send a school. Why? They for whatever reason they don't they don't do it. The MEAC, the the mid uh, the the that, that, yeah the MEAC conference, the uh, mid what is it? Uh, I got to find the, the exact terminology here for this conference. Uh, anyway, they do not send their uh, champion to the playoffs because they have this bowl game that they play. It's the uh, the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference. They have a bowl game they play every year with another conference, the Southwestern Conference. They send their two champs to this game. It's called the Celebration Bowl. <laughs> they don't let their, their so so North Carolina A and T right now undefeated, right. ten and zero, and will not have a chance to play for a national championship. Well, they got to change that. That's it's a- unreal. Now, what it does is it opens the door for other teams, and it opens the door for a sixth Missouri Valley team to get yeah. in. Because now all of a sudden you're taking a team that's in the top ten out of the equation. Yeah. And how can you tell these kids, you, you're, you're going to finish undefeated this year, and you, oh, by the way, you can't play for a national championship. That's just nuts. It is. College football, is, you know, is just replete with weirdness sometimes. yeah. And uh, looking forward to the big the big, uh, big school playoff uh, this year. Yeah. There's four teams that get into that, right? Right, and, 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 and every year or every week we think we know who the four teams are going to be, and then all of a sudden everything gets thrown out the window. And, Notre Dame know, got... Just. Notre Dame's done. I mean, they're they're not. Yeah, they're done. I mean, that was disappointing. Again, it's not that you lose; it's how you lose. And yeah. boy, do they just get their doors blown off <laughs> in Miami. Good. But not all of a sudden, good. the Hurricanes are back. Yeah. And so you know, you got Miami. Who knows what to think about them? Who have they played? Well, now they played Nord- Now they played Notre Dame. Alabama's always going to be there. You're always going to have a Clemson and somebody yeah. like that. And so uh, the question is, who will come out of the Big Ten? Because now Ohio State is you know kind of stubbed their toe along yeah. the way, and somebody from the Big Ten's got to make it. Yeah, then. you would think. Uh, Jeff Harkness, he's from 99.1 ESPN, uh, filling us in on uh, breaking down the big state U game tomorrow, 2 o'clock down in the Dakota Dome in Vermilion, and it is completely sold out, yep. so you can watch it on TV or go pay a student. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't, don't want to get into that. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming by. You're welcome. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Pop in the earbuds with our free radio. Four fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Radio Clash. Hey everybody! I want to remind you that coming up tomorrow, that's Saturday, Luminaries for a Loved Life, four p.m. at Augustana University Humanities Building Atrium. People affected by suicide loss gather together to find comfort and gain understanding as they share stories of healing and hope. Survivors will create a luminary in remembrance of their loved one. There will be a luminary walk to remember the lives of those lost to suicide. For more information, you call 605-274-1416. It is a fantastic event. Uh, if you have been touched by suicide, I highly recommend it. I've been there, and it's uh, it's it's a good thing for you if you can gather with folks who have shared that same experience. Hey, coming up tomorrow on or on Monday, it's Friday. So on Monday, we've got Jim Eneman coming in. He is a former city councilor, businessman, and mayoral candidate. And he's going to be in the studio to talk about his vision for the city of Sioux Falls. Of course, Jim's been around a long time. The Boon Man will be back for Weird Friends if everything goes as planned 
Hopefully, uh, uh, we're also going to talk to Teresa Staley on Monday. So how about that? Quick little thing on this parking ramp. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Not on my watch, our military service members say, as they volunteer to serve, as they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve to live full and independent lives, even when there's no government funding or a nursing home seems like the only option. We won't leave one warrior behind.